Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Now, if I'd planned ahead, Jacko, I could have actually got some uh, sound effects on the media board for this one. We could have we could have introed this one to the bed of Lord of the Rings. Uh, you actually starting to look a bit like a hobbit, to be fair. <laughs> Mate, I've always looked like a hobbit. Or Gandalf, one of the two. We was having a conversation actually the weekend where uh, Mrs. Jacko and Catherine's mum and sister were like talking to my sister and going like. Dave didn't used to be like this, did he? He didn't used to be, like, weird with, like, long hair and looking like a hobbit or those types of things. I mean, I was wearing... We'd been in a, we'd been in a lake, so I had I was barbecuing, but I just kept my, like... I've got, like a, towel, like, a, like, a towel dress. Is that probably... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like a towel thing that you wear over you, but it's got a hood and all that. So yeah, yeah. I did look a bit weird, but I, anyway... I'm just trying to tell the difference between you, Wim Hof, and Aaron Griffiths at the moment. Are you all the same? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's the power three. <laughs> is that what it is? We need to put those three people together. I wouldn't know where to look. Anyway, that was a bit of a... <laughs> a, a um, well, I don't know what that was. But we are going to talk about the, um, the gymnastics rings as what I'm going to propose is the greatest piece of training equipment known to man. And that's probably a contentious statement and there's probably other benefits. But for the upper body, I can't actually think that you can tell me, based on the case that we shall put forth in the next 20 minutes, of a better and more effective piece of training equipment for your you upper body and shoulders. Haven't? Did you never have the abs? Ab, ab, ab slider 3000 X, I had the 2000 XL. it wasn't that good <laughs> I even this is this is just one from just quickly for me of like gym, when you said it then gymnastics I even would not even think of them as gymnastics rings now I had to even think now I was like oh yeah no it's yeah it's like I just see them it's just like rings it's, yeah. it's like a a piece of equipment almost like you know when you you get used to something like what doesn't everyone just have a set of rings at home? Like, it's outro chat, or it's like outro. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Let's get into the main body of it, and then you can muse on when the, 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 <laughs> when you the once origins. found a pair of rings at Argos for eleven ninety nine or whatever it might be, and the difference between the straps and the camera. There is a difference in quality sort of between There's like your really right. cheap stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll cover that at the end. Right, <laughs> we're going to talk about rings. Um, if you want to get into some ring training, you can find many programs which would suit that endeavour and that quest in our online training platform mm -hmm. you can find ring muscle ups and particularly in the strength and play tutorial oh, section there is a ton of exercises in there which you can do on the rings and they will just prove to you that they are such a versatile and effective training modality that's a good and, word to finish my bit on and fun yeah it gives you freedom we're going to talk about that anyway i don't i won't butcher the podcast let's get into it Seven day free trial. Go to classroom.schoolcardsaints.com. Links in the show notes. Check it out. Have a little bit of play around. Realize I'm, what I'm saying is the truth. And then you can stay and join us in our community. Let's, Jacko, roll that jingle. So, Timbo, I am, for this podcast, giving you the prestige title of Lord of the Rings. You are a uh, 
I don't, just, I don't know if you are a Lord of the Rings or not, but, um, but I think I'm very average. You're an avid, rings. avid user of rings. I, interestingly, I not necessarily in preparation for this, but I have just done, uh, I'd done a session this morning where I used my rings and I did a number of different exercises as part of a little, let's call it like a, a tri set or a quad quad set what would you call it what would you call it? if your triceps three what would you call life you did like four things you'd basically call it a circuit wouldn't you i'd call it a circuit yeah yeah i've like a triceps set is basically a circuit like i say it's a quad set that i did um <laughs> <laughs> quattro a quattro the italians would call it a quattro set you know yada yada um and i'm using the ring so it's like um pushing and pulling but I used a different variation each time, but it was with the same piece of equipment, so I didn't have to change anything, all that sort of stuff. That's the type of thing that we're going to get into in this session and one of the reasons why, obviously, you've been an avid user of it. But there's probably a, there's more detail to it than just it being, okay, we can get into some more fun positions or it allows you to move your hand a little bit or whatever. There's, there's more to it in terms of even just like the stability of like how is this potentially having an effect on one of the most biggest problem areas for injury for people um, in calisthenics, i.e. the shoulders um, with your expertise in that. I think it'd be good to dive into some of the, some of the reasons and rationales of why people, if they haven't yet invested in a pair of rings or set of rings, or they've got rings and they just do a few normal pull-ups on it and a few dips and that's, they don't actually use them for what they could be or the variety that they yeah. provide. Let's just square away a couple of key points because I don't want people to listen to this thinking, oh, they're just going to tell me like, I don't need to listen to a podcast about rings. We're going to get in some detail, but I'm going to square these off quickly. Rings, few benefits, super cheap in comparison to many other forms of training. There are different qualities and that sort of, but they are extremely cheap. They are massively yeah. transportable. You can travel with them and they do a huge amount of different, uh, they give you lots of different options as we were talking about for the upper body. Now, the major thing that I like about them, and this is where we can spend a bit of time, is particularly for the shoulder, we have the instability component, which is massively useful for building dynamic stability, which when you think about your scapula is actually just suspended in space on the rib cage and held there by the musculature around it. There's no real joints which kind of like fix it. It sits there. Dynamic stability is really all the shoulder's got when it comes to keeping the humeral head, the bone in your upper arm, nicely congruent is the right word um, but basically articulating well with the scapula what we need to be able to do with that to have a high performing shoulder is be able to create a scalable dynamic stability so that's going to come as a result of training to a degree in unstable positions now that's what the rings are really going to give us this opportunity to create a level of instability which is shoulder elbow and wrist need to then learn to manage and we can also load them in a in a way which is going to get us a progressive strength adaptation as well you start playing around with rings and go okay i'm going to have my feet on the floor i'm going to do an incline push-up position cool we can then go to flat push-up position we can then go feet elevated when we start throwing weight vests on feet elevated we start getting some really kind of tasty combinations and you can just find that you can constantly find new challenges within them to start to create that one dynamic stability, but also strength adaptation and really also building the core in at the same time. So it really does tick a lot of boxes compared to lying flat on a bench, which is solid on a stable floor. When all you've got to do is think about moving a weight through a relatively short range of motion, the rings for me just give you so much more. And I'm all mm. about optimizing return investment of training time. I want to do exercises which give me a really, really good return 
so that you can actually be a little bit more efficient and streamlined with your training. Yeah, rather than just a massive chest. Yeah, which is what I wanted when I was 18 and decided that when I was 40, that wasn't that important anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but even with, like, when you talk about range of motion there, like, you think of think of the rings and the fact that, that you've just got all of that space in between them. And so even if you're doing a... Even if you're doing a push-up, if the rings are a little bit off the floor, take a push-up as a really simple example and how a push-up would compare to a bench press. But in the push-up, when you get to the bottom, like, unless you obviously raise your hand, like your chest is reaching the floor or on the bench press, the, the bar is touching the, the chest. But with, a, with the rings, you could, depending on where, how high you've put them, like you're going down and you could even go down into almost like a... Uh, but like a like a back lever type yeah, position, yeah. you can come. You could come all the way. So you're starting to go. And I had this. There was a conversation one of the one of the members in the virtual classroom about um, depth in their um, in their in their dips and finding that their their the chest. They were they were trying to take the triceps more, but they were feeling it a lot in the in the chest. And we were talking about how well the 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 depth you're able to go to because of that space you've got between the rings actually the more your elbow or your elbow and your shoulder basically your arm is going behind you into more shoulder extension you're actually lengthening through the chest um and and actually that's that's a good thing like we you're taking the tissue through larger ranges so rather than just being like short and tight after doing like a pushing session actually like then quite restricted like you can still create good quality movement and it's having that's one of the big that's one of the, like the the really nice things about the rings that that i i definitely enjoy and then that's just like the, the space in the middle but then it's like the space all around them because you can move them out here and actually get outside of just that 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 close proximity to your midline where you feel strongest and you feel stable you're not going to feel super strong when you take the arm out to one side like if you're doing like a, a ring fly or something but you know, doing a, an archer where you're doing it one at a time. Like so, and with that, those different angles you're talking about, you can always make it progressive. So you can just like, even during the set, it's like, maybe I've done six reps and actually I'm wanting to do a little bit more volume. And like, I can actually just take two seconds to move my feet all of a sudden I'm in, in a new position. And I'm, it's sort of like doing a drop set in a way. And then mm. you could, you could do that multiple times. Like the, the options. And as you say, the, um, like bang for your buck and time, for it uh other than when you've got to adjust the straps but even that doesn't take very long but the the time that you can get actual training through a load of different stuff with just one thing is absolutely bang on yeah and i think like just to the point around just the dynamic stability is if, if people are maybe a little bit reluctant to use the rings because they sort of lack confidence in them there's definitely easier progressions to start to get into but oh, yeah. we see like a we call it a front support right so you put the, the rings in a dip sort of dip heights as if you're going to do dips on them and we don't need to do dips with them from like first go but if you get people to jump up and then hold the rings we can see if you if you never do it before the hands are going to go all over the place you're going to see the shoulder having to find quite a hard time of trying to find some stability in that shape and what we see over sort of not very not a long period of time but over a week or two you'll start to feel like you've got that controlled a little bit more and, and you, that's just that neural learning of the brain kind of being exposed to an unstable position and then having to find stability or learning how to stabilize a joint. So we've just become better at keeping the joint in a nice, stable shape. 
people get a little bit kind of funny in strength and conditioning about lower body stability. Um, and we often kind of, there's been a big backlash over the years of people doing squats on unstable surfaces because the argument being that you can't produce optimal amounts of force if you're not stable, which is a hundred percent right. you know, if you're on a balanced board or you're mm. squatting on a, I don't know, people don't like those BOSU balls or whatever, but if you're squatting on something which is unstable, you're never going to be able to produce as much force as you can when you are standing on the floor. But what I think is being missed from a shoulder perspective is the shoulder's not designed like the hip. The hip is like a big, deep socket with the, the head of the humerus. It sits in there. It's packed in by a ton of ligamentous tissue. And that joint is actually sort of designed with the big glutes behind it to handle quite high forces. When we go upstairs to the shoulder, what we're looking at is basically a golf tee with a ball on top of it. Uh, Ian Horsey, when we had him on about the podcast, gave a really nice example of this one. He said it's a bit like a saucer with a teacup on it. And we've got this very small, thin rim which stops the cup the, the, on the saucer, which stops the cup from sliding around. But it doesn't take much to, to knock to that knock saucer uh, or not knock the cup out of the, out of the saucer. So starting to think about using instability as an option to improve the shoulder is, is just makes a lot of sense based on what the architecture of the joint is like. And what I know from having done it with athletes in the past, and this applies to the lower body as well as the upper body, if we can improve stability, we're going to get more force. And that is particularly relevant for the shoulder because the brain is going to put a self-limiter on the amount of force it allows you to produce. And anybody who's done any weight training in the past may have, well, on a dodgy shoulder, will have experienced this, where you, you're on a dumbbell. It typically happens on a dumbbell. You're on like an overhead press and you've got one side going up and one side's not feeling that great. And you, you kind of, you're aware you've got a little bit of a history of instability events you're kind of grinding out that last rep and all of a sudden the shoulder just shuts down and you just lose power. Well, the brain has probably just sent a message to the shoulder going, we're now really borderline on structural integrity. I don't want to injure that shoulder. The best way that I can protect it is to take away the muscle force. Mm. So all of a sudden we just lose power. We lose strength. If we can increase the stability of the shoulder, what we're going to find is that we can then produce more force because the brain is going, you know what, we're good. Like we've got stability. I can now start to put more of this total amount of force that I've got, got um, access to in the musculature surrounding the shoulder into moving that weight because I know that we can maintain structural integrity as a result of the stabilization. We don't get that on a bench press. We get it to a certain degree on some dumbbell movements but they're not moving because we're lying on a bench and we're stable you flip it around and all of a sudden the shoulder is doing all of the work to create a stable shape to make sure that you can then move through a push-pull pattern and i would challenge anybody who says that rings you can't get strong on rings to start playing around with them there was one guy i forget what the guy's name jacko was i think he, was, I think he used to train at um h3 i believe he might have been nigerian um, yeah 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 was it George? I can't remember what his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter because no one else knows who he was. There's only me even there. So we won't get hung up on that point. But he was, when we were training He did some rings, wicked, crazy training. Well, he was life. just like, yeah, his, his training philosophy was not written down in a book anywhere. And he also used to chew like roots because it was good for his testosterone. Like, that kind of guy. One thing is like, sometimes after training, I just like to starve the body because like, why not? I just want to like challenge it. So just then not eat. I was like, yeah. wow, this is some, out there. He has some special roots that came from Nigeria, I think. But anyway, he, he just said something, which is when he started to play around with these things, with the rings, and he's like, you can't hide. You can't mm. hide on the rings. It will expose wherever you are weak or wherever you're unstable from an upper body and pelvis, core, spine perspective, the rings will expose that. And that is exactly where we want to be. 
you'll see a lot of people who can lie on a bench and press a lot of weight and never really be exposed as to where their weak links are. We train on the rings, we're going to know where they are. And if you know where your weak links are, then you can go and do something about it. Yeah. There's an ego thing on it though, isn't there? Of like, you know, if you're good at something, you like, I'm, I've, I was never good at bench press anyway, so there was no ego for me on the benches. But Same. Um, What's your max bench? We've talked about this before. Uh, crack it. I, I think somehow... I did, and this is this makes it sound like I was better than I was. Um, I did clock one twenty five once for one, but it was terrible. More realistic was I could do. I think I could do one oh five for three. Was uh, a bit all that weight? And your mate still called you pancake tits? Right, because I got small. You know, <laughs> size sizes and everything. Right, Tim? Doesn't... Agreed. Um, oh, you, I've lost my. Oh yeah, so like yeah, so like the eager bit of going like. Even though we know, we know if I train my weak bits, my weak links in my chain, that's going to make me better. But and not everyone will be like this, but there'll be some people out there that this will resonate with that are a bit like me. They're like, oh, I find it really challenging to train my weak bits because I don't like feeling because I don't like feeling weak. And it's just that's a mindset thing of just like embracing that and going, you know what? Like it, it can be harder to train your weak bits, but in a bit of a way, it can be easier because it's like you don't need quite as much load. There's not quite as much tension going through the system and actually see it as a nice session of like, actually, is this going to be like relatively low uh, intensity in terms of the amount of load I'm putting through? But I'm just going to challenge myself by doing, getting into some of the positions and some of the stuff where I actually feel pretty rubbish. And I guarantee what will happen is you, you make progress quicker on those weak things to start with. Mm. And then, you know, and as long as you're targeting the right things, you should see some decent then carryover into the stuff that you were good at before anyway, and then go, Oh, actually this makes my bench press better. Or this makes my pull-ups better. Um, yeah. And it then gives you the motivation to want to do that. It's just getting over that first bit of like leaving the ego and going, right, I'm going to work on something where I'm basically where I look weak as a kitten, try and find some of those things. That's always a good place to be. I think like I've done a little bit of work recently with a few of the guys down at uh, March and athletic. And those guys are like shifting tin, right? When it comes to <laughs> yes, um, their major fo- focus of their workouts. But what the guys have reported back is going, when I do some warm up stuff or some prep work on the rings, it makes a bench feel better. And you're like, okay, well, that's just, that's testament in itself because you yeah. are giving the body what it needs. You're giving the, the shoulder what it needs from a stabilization perspective. You're firing up the system to then go and prep it to go and, to go and lift some weight. Mm. I think that it's, if you're not in calisthenics and you're listening to this um, and you are just kind of like a, a, somebody who's interested in optimizing your performance, just start playing around with the rings a little yeah, bit. You don't need to be. Find it. It's not like you've got to leave everything else you did before yeah. and become a calisthenics athlete just because you just because you invest in a bit in, in a set of rings. It might just be that they become like you say, might even just be part of your warm up, but it'd be a wicked part of your warm up. Mm-hmm. Um totally, totally. The other thing that I think is really interesting, I'll give a little case that I've been doing on myself recently. So probably for a couple of years I've been feeling a little bit asymmetrical on my ring dips. And I kind of looked at them a while ago and then didn't do anything with it. And this year I decided I need to clean this up because there's something that's not quite right. So I filmed Mm. it and I watched it back and I hadn't done this for quite some time. Just, and it was purely from a technique perspective just to see what was happening. Yeah. And I got one shoulder, which was way out. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do a little case study for my page on it and um, put it out at some point, but I've got one shoulder, which is way out of a line. And I, you know, you've been, been moving like that for a while. I kind of sensed something was wrong, like I was yeah. twisting, but I didn't really know what it was. Is it kind of spine it or probably become, or... It became their normal, so that it's just what yeah. you felt was symmetrical, yeah. 
so I watched it and I've been picking away at it and been trying different things and doing some different prep exercises to try and fix it. And I finally worked out now what, what it was and I can now do dips symmetrically so my shoulders are aligned in the right position. And basically, you're dead right, the movement pattern had become a little bit dysfunctional where I was just allowing effectively one shoulder to ride up in the socket and I wasn't allowing the movement to commence from a bend of the elbow. It was coming from the shoulder coming up. All got kind of messed up. But if you put me on a set of straight bars, you wouldn't see it. Mm. It would be relatively kind of like looks pretty symmetrical because what you get from the rings is it, it because it's, it kind of exposes each joint unilaterally to, have to actually have to work into a position. So if you go into some push-up work or some archer kind of positions or flies, you'll definitely, if you film it, start to see maybe one side like rides up super mm. high um, and one side looks like it's sitting in a good position. And what you can do if you take the time to sort of film it is break that down and think, well, why is that happening? Where am I weak on that side? And ironically, I, I knew that when, when when my shoulder was was sitting relatively asymmetrically, I was starting to get clicking, like it would grind away a little bit, wasn't feeling great. It didn't stop me from training. But if I continue to load it any volume, I think it maybe would have caused a problem. And that's the, that's what I'm doing now is like, I've had to go back and I'm only doing sets of five or six repetitions. I could probably do 10 to 12, but I've got to break that back down. Yeah. Yeah. So that I can actually do five really well, consistently do five really well. Then I've earned the right to go and do six and seven. Otherwise you just end up training again. I go back in, I get tired, shoulder comes up. Mm. Um, And this is one of the things that we've talked about in the past around these higher intensity volume conditioning based workouts like CrossFit is where if you don't have handle on this sort of stuff, you're going to go into patterns on the rings potentially, which are super challenging and you're just grinding away at suboptimal movement patterns which can potentially present as well we may turn into injuries and that's not me against crossfit i'm just saying that's the name of the game you better be doing something to make sure that you are staying robust up top and symmetrical movements um keeping and it's not even being symmetrical it's just keeping the joints in good positions is always going to help you as we talked about i think last week if we got these out in the right order Mm. the range of movement is a cornerstone of performance yeah um just like finish off then with, uh, I just think some people will, be, will have this question of, um, we see that a lot of the time with people, it might not even be asymmetric, it might just be like when they go into dips, it might even be on the rings, but it might also just be on bar that they, that they do notice that they go straight, like the shoulders go straight up and that you talk then about like actually not the movement, not coming from the elbow and, but just was there anything as well as like just trying to like make it even and, and the, the movement itself, like was there any particular areas that you then was targeting like, lower traps like serratus like what what was your what was your strengthening for that yeah there's a couple of things so the the, the major crux of it was that i wasn't keeping in scapular depression on my left side my right side was staying pretty well so it's the left side that i've had much surgeries on before so effectively Mm. allowing it to ride up now part of it was a queuing issue so i've now got to just kind of think about distributing force a little bit more equally and being more intentional about keeping force down through that left shoulder to kind of break this movement pattern that i've kind of accustomed Mm. myself to but the other thing that a lot of people will find in the dips is is if we're tight in the shoulders and the chest we're going to see that shoulder want to ride forwards in the socket which could also then be coming with the lift of the scapula off the back of the rib cage so more rotator cuff, more work on um, serratus anterior, potentially. If we've got a tight pec minor, that's going to start to kind of pull the, the scap off the rib cage and, and tilt it forwards. So it, this is where I think, like, obviously I'm doing quite a lot of sort of reading around the shoulders and stuff at the moment. 
But it kind of comes back to this real simple crux of it is of if you have a good selection of stabilization exercises. So it could be that we come through, we do some single arm scaption type work, or we do some isolated rotator cuff work or some serratus work. Yeah. We then take that into something like the rings with a mind of, yeah. I'm going to do this to move really well. And I'm going to film yeah. myself to make sure I am moving well. What the rings will do will allow you to move through good range of motion and it will show you when you don't. And especially if you can then watch that video back, I believe personally that you don't get that kind of feedback that the rings give you about how well you're moving. If you just go and jump under a bench press. Yeah. Yeah. And the rings yeah. allow you to scale it. Right. We talked about like doing a push yeah. up on the rings and then go and do it with a weight vest on or, or whatever it might be. And yeah. I, as you say, I really like drop sets on the rings as well. So go just changing body position. Just if you want to go for that hypertrophy, like all we've got yeah. to do is take the muscle to failure and, and yeah. do that a lot. So, let's use that drop set and it is so simple just to move yeah. your feet and go another 10 move your feet. <laughs> yeah. how many more can you do and you'll like your chest your chest blow up and my last point sorry i'm flipping <laughs> rabbits into no that. no no um I, I like this thing with the rings where you talked about before you've got all that other space you can play around with so why do we only ever think that we have to do kind of like 10 normal push-ups and then the next set i'm going to do 10 archer push-ups there is some benefit of like overloading those patterns so that we can create adaptation. Mm. But what also creates a challenge for the shoulder is going one push up, one archer left and right, maybe mm. something like shifting your feet into a pipe position or a mountain climber, like throwing a set together where it's yeah. multiple exercises. Yeah. If you, if you kind of like rationalize that and going, well, the shoulder has got all of these ranges of motion. Why not challenge it differently? Not that three sets of 10 is not good, but more like, well, what does it mean when the shoulder's a bit tired from doing quite a bit of work in lots of different movements? And then I'm going to go and take it out into an archer yeah. position. I've got to stabilize in abduction. Yeah, when mine... I might be a rugby player and have to tackle somebody in the last part of a game in that same kind of position. Yeah. You reminded me of... Um... You reminded me. You yeah. always, I always You're... think about you when you say that. You, re you remind me, Tim, <laughs> of a young... And you reminded me of Gordon a Ramsey? challenge. Of a, of a, you, re, you remind me of a uh, of a young Gordon Ramsay. Um, I love when people send me that. It makes me laugh every time. There's a, um, cranky Gordon Ramsay's in good nick, isn't it? Uh, um, you reminds me reminded me of um, an old, a challenge that we've done before. I'll have to repost it for the for the VC members um, of. Uh, it might, that might have even been called Lord of the Rings. I can't even remember. We'd have tried to do some streaming. But it was like um, going into a, a bit like a tripod type position. So feet can be a little bit wider, but your body's basically in a press-up position. But then you actually take one hand off yeah. the other ring and actually hold And like I remember doing uh, like push-up followed by like a one-hand hold and then a push-up. And it was like it literally the whole the, the stability demand on that hold for like the shoulder and the whole of the rest of the chain just zapped you for anything mm. in terms of them being able to do like you know 10 push-ups it's like we should be able to do 10 push-ups but you put one of the put like a, a three or four five second hold on one on one ring in between it was like devastating what that what that does for you so um it reminds me of uh that will be uh, when you're talking about that that and you feel it in that you feel you literally feel it in your scapula in terms of it trying mm. to find a way to stick to that rib cage um so that's going to get back on my training menu yeah i, I do some work with push-ups so where i'll go from like into normal push-up position and then up into like a horizontal front support and like get into yeah. that kind of like um 
push-up plus position and just hold there for a couple of seconds to build that stability and yeah, you, you're right. The time on a temper, uh, time on attention, sorry, that sort of stuff where you could normally just bosh out 12 relatively yeah, it fast. You. Yeah, I might, I might go to six <laughs> yeah. because you're starting to challenge the, the system in a different way. And, and that's what it's about. I think it's the, my take home for this is there are other ways to get strong. There are lots of different tools to use. I just think for nearly everybody who's training the upper body, the rings should be part of that at yeah. certain parts of your cycle or training yeah. program because yeah. um, it's going to give gonna... you a lot back. Yeah, it's going to give you more. It's got the option to give you more range, and it's got the option to give you more robustness for sure. Um, Let's and, touch. And, yeah, sorry, come. On. I was just going to say, that, and you know, sometimes we just need a little bit of a different stimulus. So when you talk about yeah. training modalities, like a different stimulus for a period, um, you know, whether you want to be become a lord of the rings yourself, whether you just use it a little bit here and there when it's applicable, but it's definitely relevant for. It's one of the things you could comfortably say, hand on heart. That is relevant for everyone. About 25, 30 quid is a good marker of like mm. what a, a decent set, but you can get you a decent set of rings for. Don't go super cheap because you get the plastic rubbish and the buckles will break. Um, but yeah. I was going to say that was the way. If, if, we've, if we've done a good job and people are like, right, I need to get myself a set of rings, um, get a set that is, I would go wooden. I've, I've got, got a link in the plastic. show notes to a set um, that we'd oh, recommend from, from Amazon. There you go. I'll do it. Let's do that. Plastic ones are heavier and they're slippery. Wood just feels a lot nicer. They're super light. And go for the bigger buckle. Thicker buckle. Don't yeah. go for the thin straps. Don't get a roof rack strap equivalent. Get the thick black buckles because they're one, easy to thread and they don't snap. A lot of times, though, if you thread those thin ones wrong, the buckle breaks and they basically become unusable. And actually, they wear down pretty quick, don't they? Like this, you can yeah. find yourself slipping. I have to have a little bit of rings and then all of a sudden you try and do a dip and one arm is longer than the other one. <laughs> uh, link is in the show notes, people. Link is in the show notes. There'll be that to uh, a pair on Amazon that we would personally recommend are all those things that Tim just mentioned. Tag us in. If you're going to do some ring work, tag us in. Show us your rings. Yeah. Oh, that sounds for naughty. <laughs> <laughs> show us your ring. That's no. a different podcast. That's the other one we do. The <laughs> um, right, let's wrap it up until next week. Uh, keep exploring your physical oh, I've got some p- potential with movement strength and play on rings Plastic missed. missed